right, well, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing in verse 12 where we left off last week. And we want to build some more background because it's going to be so important as we continue going through chapter 12 into 13 and chapters 14 that we keep the proper context. Many portions of these texts are taken out of their context, and though some things are errant, meaning they're teaching them wrong, some things are true, but not technically what's being talked about in the text. So we want to keep that thread all the way through. Remember the previous chapters where Paul was talking about these agape feasts, these love feasts, how they would celebrate together and they would have communion. And he was talking about the division that they had at those meals and how they were done out of order. They weren't done decently and in order as unto the Lord. And people are exercising different gifts out of uh, just at the same time. And he's going to be talking about that into the next chapters. Also, we saw their culture. We saw that the rich were coming in and they would bring their own food. And they were having these uh, pagan-esque type meals. And the poor were coming in, the slaves. And they had nothing. They had nothing to eat. And it wasn't a potluck. They weren't sharing. And they were glorifying one group and putting down the other. And, and we know that that is not biblical. And then we talked about the divisions that were in that Corinthian church. And we talked about how in those meals they were having people with uh, distracting haircuts and exercising different gifts incorrectly just a just a really unorganized crazy time and yet we see in corinthians in the very beginning of this epistle paul applauses them for the gifts and he applauds them because he calls them saints that have uh, these gifts that god's giving them and last week we talked about the holy spirit and we built a foundation on who the Holy Spirit is as a third person of the Trinity, God himself. We talked about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Philippians that we're to be, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The previous 12 verses taught us that if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That's going to be important here in this portion of Scripture. And all those things are working together. All that background, all that context... All that history are going to teach us what we're going to be talking about here in the second portion of chapter 12. Now, with that very convoluted background, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and we're going to pick up in verses 12 through 14. Lord, we do pray that you would guide and direct us, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word as you correct us when we need correction, that you encourage us when we need encouragement, Lord, and that you would equip us for every good work through your spirit and through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in verses 12 and 14 through 14, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so the rest of this chapter, he's going to be using this illustration, this story. He says, look at our bodies. Our hands are not our feet. Our feet are not our hands. Our nose is not our ears. Our ears is not our nose. But they're all put together together and assembled into one body. 
of the trillions and billions of cells that are inside each and every one of us is a DNA code. Every single cell has that DNA in it. And it makes us up into one body. Now, he's going to be talking here about the Corinthian church, but he's also talking about all churches. All churches that profess Jesus Christ as Lord are a part of his body, the church. But when we talk about the Corinthians, we see that they were divided. All the way back to chapter 1, if you remember months and weeks ago when we started this epistle, Paul immediately jumps into the, the problems after praising them. And in verse 10, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When we talk about spiritual gifts or the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that it doesn't cause division. It brings unity. So the question then is, where does all this division come from? Where's all the strifes and the quarreling, the bickering, the criticisms, the attacks? Well, Paul talked about that in chapter 3. In chapter 3 of this same book, he told the Corinthians, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So when we are causing division, know that it comes from you. It comes from our flesh. It comes from our pride, this ego of wanting to be talked to in a certain way or treated a certain way or exalted in a certain way or praised in a certain way. Because Paul is showing us that unity is found in Jesus. He is the body of Christ, and we make up that body. And when we start criticizing one another, we need to be very careful when we start attacking one another or judging one another because Jesus takes it personal. Uh, Jesus takes that personal because each and every one of us make up his body. Now, if I'm going to say something like that, you better be thinking, you better back that up with some scripture. You can't just make a statement like that, Jesus takes it personal and not have some evidence, right? Well, you guys are great Bereans because in Acts chapter 9, we see Jesus speaking to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He's been persecuting the church. He's been, in, he's been beating the church, attacking the church, arresting and putting in prison. And what does Jesus say to him? He says in verse 4 of chapter 9, Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, This is the Lord, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Not the church. Why are you persecuting the good Christians? Why are you persecuting my church? No, he says, you're persecuting me. Why are you persecuting me? And so sometimes in the church, we think we have spiritual maturity, or we think we have a certain gift, and we use it not to build up and to unify, but to distract and take the attention off of the Lord and bring the attention to ourselves. But Jesus says here to Saul of Tarsus, you're persecuting me. And when we're using the gifts of the Spirit out of order and not in glorifying the Lord, we're actually hurting the body. And we need to be very careful because Jesus says that he's baptized every single one of us in his Spirit. We are 
sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Remember last week we talked about this. That when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, he instantaneously seals you with the Holy Spirit. That's why the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than is in the world. And when we come to church and the body is coming together and we're assembling together, what do we call this thing that we're doing right now? We call this a church service, not a church receiving. This isn't about what we get. This is about what we can give to each other. When we come and assemble together, we need to be focused 100% on him because he is the spirit that we drink from. We receive from him. We want to glorify him in the gifts that he's given us. We want to magnify him as we gather together. Remember that verse that we shared last week in John chapter 7? When Jesus tells us on the last day, verses 37 through 39, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And remember the context here? He tells us, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus has been glorified. He died, he rose again, ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come to the church in the day of Pentecost, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And so when we gather together, we are to drink from him. He fills us. He is the focus. We receive from him. Not the pastor. It's not the worship team. It's not even each other patting each other on the back. We don't come here, hold hands, sing kumbaya and feel better as we leave. And somehow something has happened. It is an interaction with Christ himself through the Holy Spirit. Drawing closer to God and serving him. That's why we call it a church service. We come here and we offer the sacrifice of praise from our lips. When we're gathered together as his body. We're receiving from him. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have gifts in operation, whether it's teaching, helps, administration, lots of different gifts we talk about. And we're all giving the glory back to him. See, if we don't build this foundation that we're talking about and we go into chapter 13 and 14, and we start talking about the operations of the gifts of the Spirit in church, and we don't have the focus right, then it becomes all about us. And, and that is completely opposite to what's being talked about here. So go back to the text here. What is he saying? He's saying that we all are different members. We're all different. We're not here to entertain each other. We're not even here to comfort one another. We're here to seek after Christ. And then he does those things as the fruits of the Spirit, being firmly engrafted in him. Now, let's read verses 15 through 22, and then we're going to dissect this a little bit more. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again to the head, to the feet. I have no need of you. No much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And it is, it is interesting that some Christians think that there's some kind of maturity or leadership in trying to hack each other to pieces. Oh, we need to get rid of so-and-so. Oh, we need to talk to such-and-such. And so they'll come to Pastor Mike and be like, did you hear? You really need to talk to Brother John. You need to talk to uh, Mrs. Smith, you know, because this is what's going on. And you re- she really needs a rebuke. He really needs something. And I'd be, I say the famous answer, well, what did they say when you told them that? Well, I kind of wanted you to do it, Pastor Mike, like I'm some kind of spiritual hatchet man. That's not spiritual maturity. We come together to edify. That means to build up, to bring more unity, not disunity. But we do the same thing with spiritual gifts. We say, well, they don't have that gift and they must not be saved. That's not biblically true. Oh, well, that that person is fill in the blank. I'll give you an example using the illustration here from the text. I can't hear. I want my ears back. All I hear is ringing all day. So many of our conversations that I have with you involve what? Excuse me, one more time. Can you do that again? I'm pretty sure I hear Megan giving an amen. (laughs) I wish I could go back in time and get my ears back. I wish I could go back to young me and say, turn the music down, son. Hey, I know you're about to use this chainsaw. Doesn't make you tougher to not wear hearing protection. But alas... Here I am. Well, many of us do that spiritually in the church. There's a certain part of the body of Christ that we don't like. But we're lesser for not having them with us. I'll give you a spiritual example. There are people in my life, they are spiritual, and they do things by their feelings. It's so weird. I don't understand them. They'll come into worship, and they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, this is just another song. I'm doing this by faith. And they'll hear one verse, one verse spoken, and they hear an entire sermon. Oh, the Lord spoke to me. You just read John 1, 1, that one time, and they walk out of here feeling blessed. I want to have a thorough dividing of the word of God. I want to go through the prophecies and understand the history and the context. And for me, worship, you could play a tape. No, I mean a real 1990s, put in the cassette, flip to the other side. That could be worship for me. It's the same thing. It's just music. And it, I don't, doesn't mean anything to me. And it's easy for one, for that person to look at me and just be like, you are spiritually dead. Are you even saved? And it'd be easy for me to look at that person and be like, are you even interested in what God has to say? Or are you just making this up? But we need each other. They need to be encouraged in the faith. They need to hear the word of God, be rebuked, corrected, like the word of God says. I need to know that deep are the mysteries of God. I need to be refreshed, and I need to have that that understanding that, yes, there are deep mysteries of God. Great is the mystery of godliness in the biblical context that he gave us. And so together, we should be thoroughly equipping each other. But instead, what did we do in our flesh? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we begin to hatch it and attack and say, well, they should go start their own church down the street where all the spiritual people go. And we should have another church over here where all the spiritually dead people like me. Now, I've been rebuked a few times for saying that I'm spiritually dead. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? I do exercise the gifts of the Spirit. I just don't feel things. That's just not how I roll. I'm an old 
1940s Ford tractor. Just kick me and I just keep going in a straight line plowing. But division, back on context here, division is not Christian leadership. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit and being used by God, you're going to bring people together in seeking and serving him. And that's what Paul also said in Romans chapter 12. He said in verses 4 and 5, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We need each other. Just like the, the eyes need the nose, the arms need the legs. It's easy for the arms to look at the, the nose and say, well, this guy doesn't lift anything. He doesn't do any work. The legs look at the nose and say, all he does is complain. He smells things, it's bad, says get away. I'm the one that actually moves everyone everywhere. Well, we see it's so important to have all of the members working together properly. Now, that doesn't mean that being in Christian fellowship is all sunshine and roses. That doesn't mean that we're all smiles, no criticism, you can't rebuke anyone. Have you ever been to physical therapy? I've been to physical therapy, not fun. I know many of you have been to physical therapy. Never went there and said, boy, that was fun. They're really loving and encouraging. They push you in places you don't want to go. They put you in painful, in painful positions. They stretch. They hurt. They practically maim you. But we know it's for strengthening the body, not destroying it. For greater mobility, it's to help you. It's to encourage you. You know, sometimes as the body of Christ, we come together and it's physical therapy. It isn't sunshine and roses. This isn't always about making us feel good. Sometimes it's through tears and difficulty, suffering together. But we need one another. We need the gifts of the Spirit to be working in operation in each and every one of us. And we need each and every one of us here. Do you know that God puts you here for a reason? In verse 18, what does it say? It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. When somebody comes up here, they say, wow, you know, I, I, I feel like the Lord's leading us to come here. We say, awesome. And then we say, we want you to be exactly where the Lord wants you to be. Maybe he has you here for a season. Maybe he has you here until his return. I don't know. But we know he will place you where he wants you to be. Because that's our ultimate goal, isn't it? To build up the body of Christ for God's glory, not our own. This isn't about us getting the accolades. This isn't about us being first. This isn't about us being fill in the blank. This is all about him. It's his body. It's his placing. It's his will. It's his work. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And yet so many are seeking the gifts of the Spirit to glorify themselves. And then some of us are not seeking the gifts of the Spirit because we don't want any attention on ourselves. Could you imagine going around and your arm doesn't work? You can't use left arm. It does not want to do anything for you. The body is not better for it. But when we come to church to be served and not a service, that's what we do, sitting on the sidelines. The question is, where has God placed you and what does he want you to do while you're there?
now in verses 23 through 26. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we're going to camp here for a little bit, but we see this honor and dishonor lifting each other up. I'm going to use an example because this example kind of comes close to home. The worship team here gets more criticism than even I get, and I deserve most of mine. I mean, everybody's a critic. It should be louder. It should be quieter. This person should play better. This person should be in charge. This person should get off the stage. I don't like the songs. They're too old. I don't like the songs. They're too new. They are repeat themselves too much. They're not traditional enough. Complaint, 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 complaint. But in the meantime, as a pastor, I think it's a miracle what God has done in the eight years that we've been here as a fellowship. It is a miracle to see the discipleship, to see people growing in their gift, to see people consistently volunteering week after week after week to serve God. And here they are in front of everybody, and we're all a bunch of little critics. I hear, and, and whatever criticism they think they hear, I hear at times 10. I get the text messages, and I get the, oh, Pastor Mike, can I talk to you for a minute? Oh, gosh, here it comes. But are we building up, or are we tearing down? Are we criticizing? Do we, are we trying to critique this so that you could be better entertained? Now, there is, there is a mismanagement that when we're in worship, we could be so distracting that it's separating us from the Lord. But if we are seeking God and we've come here to serve the King and not have ourselves served, wouldn't that completely change the perspective? And then on top of that, wouldn't the team and the leaders be encouraging and equipping each other and making them better in their walk with the Lord as they exercise those gifts by faith? I'm so grateful that even though I do get quite a bit of criticisms, I'm not criticized to that degree. But that's what it says here in the Scripture about esteeming the lower parts. I'll tell one more story. Last night I was hanging out with, uh, with Pastor Nick from Savannah, and he was talking about how they're going to have a, uh, a work day at the church. Pretty cool. I couldn't help it. I fleshed out a little bit. I said, oh, that, that's neat. You know, the people in our fellowship, they just serve without even being asked. I just come here, and the church is just clean. All glory to God. And I'm just looking at him like winking like, yeah, what are you going to do about that? Now, that's not good, y'all. I'm not bragging. I'm kind of confessing. But that being said, they're not getting any glory for that. The people, do you know the people that come here and clean the church? Who cleans the toilet here? Do you know? Well, we all appreciate a clean toilet when we come in here. I know I hear about it when it ain't. But yet we'll criticize the worship team because they're in front of everyone. Who are we exalting? And who are we not? Now, those people that are serving a little bit, they get to be exalted a little bit today. We're going to praise God for them. And so we're seeing this happening in action. But when we continue to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, are we using it to grow closer to the Lord and to bring each other closer to the Lord? Or are we using it to divide and to magnify ourselves? 
fascinating. We should be rejoicing in the lowly, and we should be taking our praise a little back. We shouldn't always be just praising a senior pastor, whatever fellowship it is. Some of these bigger churches, there are literally hundreds of people that keep that place together by the glory of God, and it should all be going to Him, the Lord, not the pastor. We should be rejoicing. Now, what does it say here in verse 26? And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We need to remember what we said earlier, Jesus takes this personal. When you persecute his people, you're persecuting him. When you criticize his people, he placed them there. You're criticizing him. Now, again, we talked about physical therapy. This doesn't mean that we can never say anything negative. Sometimes it's for our benefit. But is it truly for our benefit or yours? Is it for his benefit or for your benefit? That's what we need to check. Where does this complaining come from? And this can be applied to many things, not just a church, not just worship, but your family, your marriage, your community. Are you drawing people closer to God? Is he empowering you through his spirit and the operation of the spirit in you to glorify him or to glorify yourself? Now we'll read verses 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, there is no shortage of gifts in Corinth. That was not the issue. It was how to use those gifts. That was the problem. They were using them to glorify themselves, and to divide. They were literally picking teachers of which team they were going to be on. Now, Paul praised them for those gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, when he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything in him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they had all knowledge, they had all utterance, they had the gifts, they were given to them. They weren't short in that, it was how to operate them. That was the issue. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, I've mentioned this before, too many times we think about gifts of miracles and uh, gifts of tongues, and everything else is just kind of secondary to those issues. People want to fight over this speaking in tongues. Now, we're going to talk about this in 1 Corinthians, the second part of chapter 13. But nobody really wants to talk about, what does it say here? Does your Bible say, verse 28, what does it say? The gift of helps. The gift of administrations. Huh. We need those. As a pastor now, I can tell you more than ever, gifts of helps and administration are some of the most important. But they're not the ones that are focused on. We focus too much on the one or the two, and it's always to the distraction of the Lord and never to the glory of the Lord. We also see these rhetorical questions. The answer is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. 
There are denominations, parts of the body of Christ that say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. That is incorrect. This text immediately shows us that is an error. They need some of those brothers, some of those parts of the body to go over there with the word of God and rightly rebuke in love. And so we see that is not proper. But we'll talk more about cessationism, those that believe there are no gifts of the Spirit or only certain ones in operation today, also in chapter 13. So I'm going to leave a little bit there for you to come back. You've got to keep coming back for more. But do you see this list? It doesn't say this for now and some for later. We'll see that in a couple weeks. The most important thing that we want to learn from today is that we have gifts by the glory of God, for the glory of God, and the most important thing is that we use them for him, not for us. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, that's exactly what he says there. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that was given us, that is given to us, let us use them. Underline that bad boy. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or in ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Well, you can add those to the list. Leadership is a spiritual gift. Mercy is a spiritual gift. Cheerfulness. You ever met anyone that's just supernaturally cheerful? It's annoying. I know. I I feel the same way you do. That was a joke, y'all. Don't worry. They're still going to be cheerful anyway. We need to be kingdom builders. We need to be using these gifts to build each other up to the glory of God, not to be dividing one another, splitting hairs, separating Spiritual maturity and a filling of the Holy Spirit will always lead to more self-control, more unity, more of the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. We, we get there by seeking after Jesus. Remember what he said in John. We're to drink deeply of that well as we seek him. And out of us flows what? Live waters, living water comes out of our heart through Jesus Christ. Who doesn't want to be around someone that is, that is just fountains of living water? When you're around them, you're closer to God. When you're around them, you're encouraged in the Lord. When you're around them, those gifts are working in you. They're making you a better person for the glory of God. Not to glorify you, not to glorify themselves. And so when we see the Spirit moving in a fellowship and in people, that's what we see. A greater unity edifying, building one another up, not destroying, not criticizing, not critiquing. Well, I think the church needs to be like this. How about the Lord places us wherever he wills, and we're just obedient to that, to his glory. We should be earnestly desiring the best gifts, it says in verse 31. But why do we desire those gifts? To be a greater part of the body, the body of Christ, And to glorify him. It isn't about us just having a new experience. It's about us using the tools that God has equipped us with to build this body up together. Knowing that apart from him we can do nothing. As for the more excellent way there at the end of verse 31. That's for next week. 
as Paul shares with us in chapter 13, what this more excellent way, what is more important than everything that we just said here, we'll find that next week. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray for the equipping of your gifts in our lives. We pray for just a deeper relationship with you. And we pray that you would use us to build up the faith, to encourage one another, to grow in you, to be more like you, Lord, and that you would truly use us in the life of others. And we also pray, Lord, help us to not be led by our flesh, those carnal reactions, those self-seeking desires. You know us, Lord. We can't hide anything from you. We pray, Lord, by your spirit that you would continue to prune us and shape us and mold us. That you would use all of us here that you've placed us to grow in you and be used by you to magnify you. That you'd use us in this world and in this community, in our homes and our families, Lord. That we would be the Christians you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.